0: Hi, my name is Walt Whitley and I'm the Director of Optometric Services at Virginia Eye Consultants in Norfolk, Virginia. And today I get to have a candid conversation with my good friend, Dr. Kelly Nichols.
1: Yes, I'm Dr. Kelly Nichols. I'm currently Dean and President of the University of Alabama at Birmingham School of Optometry. And we're both so pleased to be with you this afternoon, this morning, this evening. We're so pleased to be with you. Okay, well, today we're going to be talking about neurotrophic keratitis and its prevalence, and I think we're learning a lot that is probably more prevalent than we previously thought. Um, this expert panel, which Walt was a member of, discussed neurotrophic keratitis and how we might identify it um, in clinical practice, and I think we're going to talk about several of the points that the panel came out with today. What was that experience
0: like? It was a great experience where it was a combination of both uh, ophthalmologists and optometrists where we had an opportunity to discuss and learn from each other and that's one of the best thing is being a part of a panel is we get to learn but then we get to share uh, what we came up with with our colleagues and so uh, it was a great experience and i learned a lot there as well
1: i think there's some really great points that we're going to cover today but before we do that we do want to talk a little bit about the prevalence of neurotrophic keratitis and One of the first points that the panel came up with is that neurotrophic keratitis is probably more prevalent than we previously thought. And I think once you start looking, you probably start seeing it a lot more. So perhaps our estimates are going to increase over the next few years as we learn more. What do you think?
0: Yeah, you know, my aha moment when it came to the, the who, which patients have neurotrophic keratitis was, I love dry eye and I see a lot of dry eye patients. I know you love dry eye too. <laughs> uh, but I see a lot of dry eye patients and they've been on various medications for many years or months and they're not getting better. The surface looks exactly the same. And, you know, we know these drugs work. But if it's not getting any better, then we need to rethink our diagnosis. And so, you know, since I've been looking more at that, then I've been identifying more patients through corneal sensitivity testing uh, who who has NK.
1: Yeah, I think um, back to previous dry clinical trials, and maybe some of them didn't do as well as they could have because really it was neurotrophic keratitis that was misdiagnosed. And so I think that as you have those patients, like you mentioned, that don't respond to treatments, um, it's worth thinking about and uh, looking a little bit more closely to determine if they have neurotrophic keratitis, because there's some things you can do about
0: that. And that's in our differential right away. Anytime we're doing mm-hmm. a, a ocular surface evaluation, uh, NK has to be part of that differential. An incomplete lid seal has to be part of that, mm-hmm. in addition to our traditional tests. Because if we're missing any of those parts, then we're not going to be able to address our patient's condition.
1: Mm-hmm. And I would say it's not always. Um, a huge red herring that they don't have symptoms because sometimes patients are very sort of hmm, blasé about telling us about their symptoms so if they are not showing symptoms or not having symptoms, you may not immediately detect that, they're, um, that they have coronal desensitization, do mm-hmm. you think?
0: Yeah, and you know, whether it's a dry eye patient that we're talking about, you know, any of our patients, we, for, we've for we said this before, it's you know, everyone has dry eye until proven otherwise, but in any of those encounters that we're seeing with our patients is looking at that history and trying to determine, do they have any risk factors that would contribute to them having NK? Before we get to that, once again, NK is a rare orphan disease, and here you can see uh, there are uh, the, the prevalence data: 21 out of uh, 100,000 patients in the United States, and uh, and so these numbers they're going to continually grow because people are looking.
1: Yeah, and I think that until you have um, viable treatments for a condition, it's easy to not actually diagnose or look for it because if there's nothing to do about it or minimal choices and maybe some of those choices are unsuccessful. It's very frustrating for both the patient and the doctor. So yes rare diseases are very interesting but you know we often don't have a very good data set to determine how rare they really are. And certainly we're going to talk about the um, risk factors and when you look at the risk factors we have so many patients that have these risk factors that certainly we're going to see more in the future.
0: When we look at the patient demographics, there's the Irish registry, and essentially what they were doing is they were looking at the various conditions, the the patients were more likely uh, with the NK diagnosis, and you can see uh, it's going to be older patients, women, uh, uh, white uh, patients as well, and ethnically neither Hispanic or Latino patients. One other thing that you'll see is the laterality. And whether it's unilateral or bilateral, majority of the time it is going to be unilateral condition, but we're always checking both eyes. There are many patients mm-hmm. due to systemic reasons may have bilateral disease as well.
1: Yeah, and I think we're going to see that in a minute. So this this database is a really robust database that includes um, eye data from many, many practices across the United States. So it's not a, a small subset and it's real world. So I think that they were able to kind of pull the data of patients that currently have had a diagnosis of that doesn't mean that there aren't many that have been missed so i think as more and more patients are diagnosed we may see these numbers change slightly but in general um, i think that laterality is something we need to really be careful about looking about as you mentioned so certainly um we're not talking about situations in which you have an overexpression of symptoms. We're talking about situations in which you have a loss of corneal sensation and generally a loss of symptoms of irritation. But Like I mentioned earlier, that doesn't mean that they can't have some sensations as well. And so in those cases, you usually will see something that far is more serious than the way that they're expressing their symptoms. Um, And so we're looking for situations that are the opposite of pain without stain. And I think it's easy for people to kind of get these sort of neurotrophic conditions intermixed with one another. So, but very importantly, look at this list at the, um, it's very important to talk about a list of situations where patients have these conditions, like certainly, what do you think about like dry eye? Do dry patients have NK or is some dry eye NK? Where do you fall on that?
0: Well, it's part of the differential. <laughs> and so we know majority of patients are more likely to have dry eye disease. And so we do have great options. And so we do want to address the, address the ocular surface with the various treatments, whether they're pharmaceutical, whether they're uh, procedures that we're doing to get homeostasis of the tears. When we're talking about NK, we're looking at more how do we develop homeostasis of the cornea, of the epithelium itself, so it is able to replenish, so it's been able to nourish itself and And uh, you provide our patients a a clear, optimal uh, ocular surface. You know, one thing that we've talked about over the years, and and many of us have, is the whole, you know, signs and symptoms for ocular surface disease don't always go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And so, where we have that patient where the surface looks absolutely horrible, and you ask the patient, how do you feel? Oh, I feel fine. Mm-hmm. But then if you, you know, that's where it's important that we keep asking questions and, well, how's your vision? Is your vision stable? Is it, is it changing? Or on the other spectrum, we have those patients, as Kelly just mentioned, the pain without stain. And in those cases, the neuropathic cornea, that's just abnormal firing those mm-hmm. uh, of those corneal nerves. And th- those are not healthy nerves. And so we have to find ways to address that as well. Yeah. But diseases, I mean, there's a lot of different diseases. We mentioned dry, dry eye. What about contact lenses?
1: Well, you know, certainly you have those patients that have been wearing, like, rigid gas permeable contact lenses for a long time, and their their corneas really are numb to any sensation. That actually is neurotrophic keratitis in some ways, probably. It just doesn't get to the stages where you're seeing some of the really significant uh, corneal disruptions. And I, I really do like what you said earlier about how homeostasis of the cornea, too, and the corneal tissue. never really thought of it that way. I think that's really good because the cornea health itself creates the whole situation of a healthy tear film too. So it's all very interrelated. Mm-hmm. I like that, that's very good.
0: So you looking at the etiology, herpes simplex, herpes zoster, that is always, you know, comes top of mind. And one thing that we teach our residents and students is, if that patient has a scar in the one eye and they don't remember getting an injury, I'm mm-hmm. like, well, they probably had herpes. They probably had a herpetic infection. Uh, one thing that we do teach them as well is, if you have an active herpes, well, you're gonna treat it, But those patients, those are the ones that are likely to develop uh, NK down the road because it does affect the nerves. And so Mm -hmm. uh, herpes is is always probably the largest uh, uh, etiology, Mm -hmm. uh, most prevalent. But there's many others, whether it's iatrogenic uh, from the various surgeries that we do, uh, LASIK surgery, cataract surgery. Um, You know, one of the other Uh, disease states is glaucoma. And so we all see a lot of glaucoma Mm -hmm. patients, but what are we doing to our patients when we're doing chronic therapy with preservatives that just are making the cornea worse Mm -hmm. and and causing more stress?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important to remember that it's not just uh, a, a systemic condition that can lead to this or something or an ocular condition, that it could be something like the medications that are like bombarding that cornea over all the years that can lead to these problems or surgeries that are not even seemingly related also that can, too. But I do want to, like, come back to that herpes component because it's unilateral, you know, so you can know that part, but I think we tend to keep that in its own little box and not think about it, and I think the statistic is something like 77 percent of patients um, with neurotrophic keratitis have a history or at least a visible presence of some sort of herpetic disease. Mm And that's, that means that in those patients, we really should be very careful in following them over time, because at the time you see them, they may not have any obvious signs. Mm-hmm. And then the other part, too, I mean, I live in, in the South, and so we have so many diabetic patients. Yeah. And, you know, we always talk about their, their fingertips and their feet and such like that and health of that part, but why wouldn't that impact the cornea as well and then have, you know, um, issues that we will ultimately see as NK. So that's a very important group as well. We're going to get into talking about a, a common case here. Um, let's, let's talk about a patient. Like, let's say we have a 78-year-old man um, who's coming to our clinic who has cataract and chronic open ankle glaucoma and had an uncomplicated cataract surgery, somebody who you, you see all the time in mm-hmm. clinic, um, and dissatisfied with the visual outcome. So, of course, that's a worry right, at, right off the box, right? Um, the ocular history can include things like having an implant, but glaucoma surgery or history of glaucoma therapeutics. Um, and so, you know, does this sound like somebody who you'd be worrying about having NK or not?
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, they've had glaucoma for several years, as you mentioned, they've been on the for years, and we know that that does have BAK in it. Mm-hmm. And the, just the accumulation of, of BAK over the years is toxic to the cornea, and so those nerves have been damaged, they have been desensitized over time. That surface is poor. Right? Mm-hmm. The, the fragile. Get, I like to call it fragile. Fragile. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's a fragile. It's a fragile surface, and until we can rehabilitate that, if, until we can get to the, the root cause, which is the poor functioning nerves, mm-hmm. then we're not going to be able to uh, uh, heal that surface. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, NK does come to mind uh, on on a, on a patient like this. Yeah, you know, But even before that is when we come to our glaucoma patients is thinking about the various ways we could treat them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just recently, there was an approved uh, preservative-free latanoprost, mm-hmm. uh, considering SLT in our patients. We can do intracameral injections mm-hmm. of m- mm-hmm. m- metaprost or any of the minimally invasive glaucoma surgeries. And so if you have a glaucoma patient, we always need to consider a dry eye, but also and uh, K for those patients mm-hmm. as well.
1: Well, especially if they're heading into surgery either for glaucoma or cataract. Yeah.
0: And so for that patient though, you know, so if, if I have that patient several months down the, uh, you know, after cataract surgery, not happy. Mm-hmm. So how do I approach that patient? Well, what I do in that case is first, you know, put them on preserver-free tears. Uh, I wanna do something that's gonna ha- uh, offer them some type of treatment that's gonna help re- rehabilitate and address the, that, that surface. More commonly, uh, so, first. NK is always in our differential, but Mm -hmm. we go through the different treatments. Mm -hmm. So I'm still going to treat the ocular surface first, whether I'm using some type of anti-inflammatory or immunomodulator for those patients, and then I'll see that patient back in four to six Mm -hmm. weeks. If it's not getting any better, I mean, those patients, I'm going to test that corneal sensitivity, Mm -hmm. and if it's reduced, I'm going to consider amniotic membrane, or I'm going to consider Senergymin, which is a a great option for our Mm -hmm. patients as well.
1: And I think that most of the time you'd be thinking not so, maybe more about Than possible NK in this situation might omit the corneal sensitivity testing. Mm -hmm. So, I guess the the good note is that when, you know, to remember is that if, I mean, I guess your advice would be if um, they're not responding after a certain period of time, then you really do have to have top of mind that corneal sensitivity, because you're probably not going to do that in the short period after surgery, are you? No. Probably not? No. Well, what about a case of uh, um, longstanding herpetic stromal disease? I mean, that's really tough. Um, I actually have a family member that's sort of like this and really going through this right now and uh, longstanding history that has been fine with sort of visual outcomes that were mild over the years and then have become more serious fairly recently. So, um, what do you, what do you do with that situation? You know, it does take a bit once you finally, you know, get to the point where you can prescribe Synergymen for a patient like this, and then it takes a while while you get there. So, what do you do in the interim time while you're waiting? And what other things might you, you know, try first?
0: so your but your relative doesn't live close to you no it's it not you live close so to so me, yeah. across so the you, country you know i i think the big thing here it doesn't is, live close to you either or, or close to me yeah. either or she could refer to me <laughs> you know it, it, in a case like this this is not something or this is in all of our wheelhouses whether in your optometric clinic whether you're in a ophthalmology clinic it's all about that surface and anytime we see that rough uh, that, that, that dense uh, punctate epitheliopathy that the majority of patients have. Actually yours, has, your family member has more uh, severe form just because the stroma was involved as right. well. And so for, for a patient like that, first check that corneal sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Is it present, or is it reduced, is it absent? If it's reduced or absent, then we need to start thinking about how we're going to, uh, to address that. Yes, we need to address the ocular surface. Uh, for my ca- in my case, I would likely do an amniotic membrane on that mm-hmm. patient, but also order Senergymin for our patient as well because it takes time once mm-hmm. uh, for that Senergymin to get approved and mm-hmm. get to my patient's hands.
1: Yeah, and I like um, how you mentioned corneal sensitivity testing of, you know, if it's absent Say it again, because it was very good. If it's normal, reduced, or absent. Normal, reduced, absent, and all the quadrants of the cornea. And in this case, you could compare between the eyes and you're going to see a distinct difference. And that's actually really, you know, educational to see that difference, know for sure what it is. So I guess to, you know, wrap up these two cases, um, what would you say the pearls would be, you know, to take home from these cases, to remind people to do corneal sensitivity testing, and and who might be at most risk?
0: I'm going to say what you just said do corneal sensitivity (laughs) testing uh, because anytime we have that epitheliopathy anything grade two or higher those are patients where automatically we should be thinking how is the function of those nerves are they present reduced or absent Mm -hmm. and then if it is we do have various treatment options that can help our patients achieve that homeostasis of their cornea